Introduction to The Story of Young Abraham Lincoln. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Story of Young Abraham Lincoln by Wayne Whipple. Introduction. Lincoln from New and Unusual Sources. The boy or girl who reads today may know more about the real Lincoln than his own children knew. The greatest president's son, Robert Lincoln, discussing a certain incident in their life in the White House, remarked to the writer, with a smile full of meaning, "'I believe you know more about our family matters than I do.' This is because all the world loves a lover, and Abraham Lincoln loved everybody. With all his brain and brawn, his real greatness was in his heart. He has been called the Great Heart of the White House." and there is little doubt that more people have heard about him than there are who have read of the original Great Heart in The Pilgrim's Progress. Indeed, it is safe to say that more millions in the modern world are acquainted with the story of the rise of Abraham Lincoln from a poorly built log cabin to the highest place among the seats of the mighty than are familiar with the Bible story of Joseph, who arose and stood next to the throne of the pharaohs. Nearly every year, especially since the Lincoln Centennial, 1909, something new has been added to the universal knowledge of one of the greatest, if not THE greatest man who ever lived his life in the world. Not only those who knew Lincoln, but many who only saw him once, or shook hands with him, have been called upon to tell what they saw him do or heard him say. So hearty was his kindness toward everybody, that the most casual remark of his seems to be charged with deep human affection, the touch of nature, which has made the whole world kin to him. He knew just how to sympathize with everyone. The people felt this, without knowing why, and recognized it in every deed or word or touch, so that those who have once felt the grasp of his great warm hand seemed to have been drawn into the strong circuit of Lincoln Fellowship, and were enabled, as if by the laying on of hands, to speak of him ever after with a deep and tender feeling. There are many such people who did not rush into print with their observations and experiences. Their Lincoln memories seemed too sacred to scatter far and wide. Some of them have yielded, with real reluctance, in relating all for publication in the story of young Abraham Lincoln, only because they wished their recollections to benefit the rising generation. Several of these modest folk have shed true light on important phases and events in Lincoln's life history. For instance, there has been much discussion concerning Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Where was it written? And did he deliver it from notes? Now, fifty years after that great occasion, comes a distinguished college professor, who unconsciously settles the whole dispute, whether Lincoln held his notes in his right hand or his left, if he used them at all, while making his immortal little speech. To a group of veterans of the Grand Army of the Republic he related, casually, what he saw while a college student at Gettysburg, after working his way through the crowd of fifteen thousand people to the front of the platform on that memorable day. From this point of vantage he saw and heard everything, and there is no gainsaying the vivid memories of his first impressions. How the President held the little pages in both hands, straight down before him, swinging his tall form to right, to left, and to the front again, 
as he emphasized the now familiar closing words, Of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Such data have been gathered from various sources and are here given for the first time in a connected life story. Several corrections of stories giving rise to popular misconceptions have been supplied by Robert, Lincoln's only living son. One of these is the true version of Bob's losing the only copy of his father's first inaugural address. Others were furnished by two aged Illinois friends who were acquainted with Abe before he became famous. One of these explained, without knowing it, a question which has puzzled several biographers. How a young man of Lincoln's shrewd intelligence could have been guilty of such a misdemeanor as captain in the Black Hawk War to make it necessary for his superior officer to deprive him of his sword for a single day. A new story is told by a dear old lady, who did not wish her name given, about herself when she was a little girl, when a drove of lawyers riding the old Eighth Judicial District of Illinois came to drink from a famous cold spring on her father's premises. She described the uncouth dress of a tall young man, asking her father who he was, and he replied with a laugh, "'Oh, that's Abe Lincoln!' One day in their rounds, as the lawyers came through the front gate, a certain judge, whose name the narrator refused to divulge, knocked down with his cane her pet doll, which was leaning against the fence. The little girl cried over this contemptuous treatment of her child. Young lawyer Lincoln, seeing it all, sprang in and quickly picked up the fallen doll. Brushing off the dust with his great awkward hand, he said soothingly to the wounded little mother-heart, "'There now, little black eyes, don't cry. Your baby's alive. See, she isn't hurt a bit.' That tall young man never looked uncouth to her after that. It was the same old lady who told the writer that lawyer Lincoln wore a new suit of clothes for the first time on the very day that he performed the oft-described feat of rescuing a helpless hog from a great deep hole in the road, and plastered his new clothes with mud to the great merriment of his legal friends. This well-known incident occurred not far from her father's place near Paris, Illinois. These and many other new and corrected incidents are now collected for The Story of Young Abraham Lincoln, in addition to the best of everything suitable that was known before, as the highest patriotic service which the writer can render to the young people of the United States of America. Wayne Whipple End of the Introduction Read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kra.org On Friday, October 4th, 2013, in San Diego, California.